Can we just be girls for one minute and say, oh my God, watching Toshiro Mufuni spend 90% of a movie in short shorts and a tunic was not at all uneasy on the eyes. That is for sure. Now, I know we're not supposed to objectify each other, but yikes, he was a handsome young man. I agree with that. (laughs) Okay, let's grow up. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, I'm Sensei Michelle, and today we're talking about the movie The Hidden Fortress, directed by the very famous Akira Kurosawa. And I'm Sensei Jackie, and we're so lucky to be joined again today by Sensei Richard Baer. Hi, Sensei. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's always an honor and a privilege to be here. You know what? That's such a sweet thing to say. Thank you for saying such nice words. Well, it's true. Well, first off, now that we're on a Kurosawa kick, you know we're going to come back because I love this guy. Oh, he's wonderful. And total spoiler alert, Sensei Bear, this movie rocked. Did it not? Yeah, most definitely. Okay. Before we get to the movie, can we talk about Kurosawa for just a few minutes? Of course we can start. Um, And now I'm going to do a little bit of a highlight reel of his life. (laughs) I wonder how he'll feel about that. I think he's going to feel great. Okay, here we go. He was born in March of 1910, and he died in September of 1998. In his life, he directed 30 films in 57 years, including Rashomon in 1950, Ikiro in 1952, Seven Samurai in 1954, Ran in 1985, and Dreams in 1990. And the one we're talking about today, The Hidden Fortress, which was made way back in 1960. Yeah, we're, we're also going to talk about uh, how George Lucas used the film as a jumping off point for Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Us. This era was so admired by many Hollywood directors that uh, an example would be uh, Magnificent Seven was an homage to The Seven Samurai. And let me just interrupt you there and say Seven Samurai was a fine Western. Do we all agree on that? Yes, yeah, and it had a great theme song, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Remind me. I would if I could sing. Oh. It's called The Magnificent Seven. I'll play it for you. I'll get yeah. it on. Uh, I'll check it out later. Too. But it had an awesome cast that included Charles Bronson, who yep. we're going to do an episode on from his World War II work. Right. Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen. But it was so many others. Like I, when I was reading the cast, I was thinking, double darn, they, they picked out some people. But I uh, I interrupted, Sensei, so keep going. Where were you? Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. Well, um, in 1966, the Spaghetti Western Django uh, was based on Yohimbo, as well as the uh, 96 uh, movie Last Man Standing starring Bruce Willis. Which is not to be mistaken with the sitcom with Tim Allen. But I didn't <laughs> oh, also, also uh, Django was then later remade by uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know it was a remake of something that was inspired by something else until I read this. I did not either. Okay, so this whole thing is just a foreshadowing for our audience of how many cool films we will be able to watch by this one director, right? That's right. Do we have a couple more facts about Akira Kurosawa? Oh, I think I have one. Oh, this is interesting. He started out as a painter, and in 1936, he moved over to film. His first job was as an assistant to a man named Yamamoto Kihiro, and Kurosawa immediately became known for his ability to set a scene. Yes. He uh, made his first film in 1943, 
With continued success, he became the first Japanese director to win international acclaim. So much so that in 1951, he won the Grand Prix at the Venice Film Festival for Rashomon, and he won an Academy Award in 1976 for a film called Dursu Usala. Okay, I'm going to finish this up, I hope. In 1948, he made his first film with Toshiro Mifune. It was called, and I'm going to give this a shot, folks, Yoido Rei Tenshi. And this was the start of a wonderful friendship that lasted throughout their respective careers. And by the way, this is a perfect segue into The Hidden Fortress. Wait, before we do that, (laughs) can we stop for a second and mention Honor Athletics, of course? Absolutely. As you guys know, Honor Athletics is our sponsor. That was funny, though. (laughs) And uh, we appreciate it if you give her some business. She's at 770-945-5150. And that's an old-fashioned phone call, folks. She's also uh, at honor-athletics.com. And of course, you could just scroll down in the notes and click the link. And remember, mention Wildcat Dojo as you check out for 10% discount. So basically free shipping. That's right. Okay. Let's start with this. Did we all really like this film? Absolutely. It had intrigue. It made statements on the caste system in feudal Japan. And it even had a bit of humor to it. You know, I thought it had quite a bit of humor. What do you think about how much it had? I thought they used humor the way that um, I learned in school that Shakespeare did, kind of as a way to insert it in in, uh, areas that might have just gotten too tense. So it it gave you the, the comic relief. And it was kind of part of the different statements he was making. Oh, definitely. Okay, so we already are going to tell you, you can log out now and just go watch the movie and then come back and see what we got right and what we got <laughs> wrong, because we liked it. Hey, was there anything about this movie that you didn't love? Sensei Jackie, you go first on this one. Um, I think that sometimes when I'm reading subtitles that I have a tendency to drift off. But that <laughs> that's not the movie's fault. <laughs> do you know you can get this movie now um dubbed. dubbed and you can also get it colorized oh really i chose to buy one that didn't have either of those things so we could watch it like a regular person would have I- i'm glad because sometimes the dubbing is worse than the subtitles <laughs> i have to say the the one thing i hate more than subtitles by a long shot is dubbing <laughs> and colorization is right there with it as well. This is such amazing it. cinematography. Oh my with god! The black and white. Why would you colorize that? It the cinematography was amazing. But was there anything that bothered you about the movie Sensei Bear before we push? I mean, not really. I mean, there were some things that, for its time and what it represented, are things that these are subjects that make me uncomfortable. Like when the two guys are like drawing straws about who gets to rape the girl, kind of thing. Yeah, that was uncomfortable but it, for it, me. But historically, it was probably very accurate. Yes, you're probably absolutely right. And let me just spoiler alert you here, folks. I believe Mifune saves her. Yes, he did. And that, and that's in, when they're hiding out in one of the cities. And again, we are going to eventually get to how close was this movie as a remake in Star Wars? We're going to get there, folks. Because that kind of chaos in what I want to call um, the civilized cities, because they weren't that civilized either in Star Wars or in this, that was in both movies. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I have one warning that I want to give you guys. We are so used to the idea that 
in modern movies, the action starts within 60 seconds of the movie starting. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? I would say that, yeah. Yes, unfortunately. And this has a really slow start. I'm going to give it about a four-minute start. So when you guys tune in and start watching it, either fast forward and then go back to the beginning and watch it because you need it, or just relax and enjoy the show because the dialogue in the beginning is important. And the characters in the beginning are important. They're main characters. Yeah. They're C-3PO and R2-D2. Thank you. Yes. All righty. I want to stay on the cinematography and the way black and white film just is so intriguing with shadows and different levels of darkness and how you like that and how used to that kind of filming are you? I don't know if I would say used to because it's so uncommon now, but I think it shows so much more of the art put in by the cinematographers, the the amount of effort they had to do to get the lighting right, the shading right. It was so much more important then. They didn't have digitization. They had to use the most basic elements they had, and yet they still created these beautiful pictures. That That's right, that, that play between light and dark. Mm-hmm. And I also heard George Lucas talking about how uh, Kurosawa was influenced by John Ford's Western movie making. Oh. And, and that a lot of the Japanese films up until that time did not use those large expanses of nature And this was something that he took. So it's so interesting. He took it from someone from the U.S., put it in the Japanese film. Someone from the U.S. took from the Japanese film and put it in a U.S. film. It's just a beautiful transition of art. That's a good point. And we can give a shout out to John Ford as a director because he was very well known and awesome films. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Can either of you? I can't, but since Jackie will look one up on her phone real quick. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, well, he's we'll one, he in. was one of those post post war directors. Uh, they, they list the five post war directors that, were, that influenced everything with film from that point on, and John Ford was one of them. Very interesting. Thanks for that tidbit. I also want to say, while well, since Jackie looks that up, that in his later years, Kurosawa did film in color. I saw in a movie theater the movie Dreams, and it is overwhelming in a movie theater and unbelievably beautifully filmed. Just so beautiful. Okay. She's going to go to, oh my gosh, so many of them. <laughs> okay. I don't know what, which one you want to pick. Stagecoach, Rio Grande. Oh, Stagecoach has been remade many times. And I don't know if this ver- is the version, but the original version had John Wayne in it. I wonder if it is. The Searchers, The Quiet Man, also a really famous movie, The Quiet Man. I think that one has um, James Stewart in it. I think you're right. But I'm not sure. Let's get back to our movie, though, okay? Us? Yes, Sensei. Yes. We're going to move on to the comparison to Star Wars. Let's do it. Oh, yes, definitely. It actually, in a lot of ways, the very beginning of it, closely followed like the time in Star Wars while they're on Tatooine, and it was in this desolate landscape. And it had a very similar landscape around the cities in this movie. And interestingly, even their musical segues and interludes fit the atmosphere of what it was. Like in Tatooine, it was a desert. There it was this rocky terrain. Really? But it, the music actually fit it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And on that same note, Sensei Bear? Yes. Star Wars opened up with 
CP3O and R2D2. Boy, that's a lot of letters to say. <laughs> I'm just saying, George, couldn't you lighten up a little? Um, bickering as they went across the desert. And this movie opened up exactly the same way, only they weren't robots. They were the lowest of the cast system. And in both films are told from the perspective of the lowest of the cast system. Exactly. And yes. and I read where George Lucas said that's what that's one of the things that he wanted to do was to tell a story rather than from the perspective of the star, from the perspective of, of kind of an underling. And and of course, both of them had a princess in distress. <laughs> of course. And in both movies, the princess was lovely. Oh, lovely and saved by a very handsome character. Mm-hmm. I agree with all those things. You too, Sensei Bear? Yes, absolutely. Um, the two peasants comparison to C-3PO and R2-D2, it, it actually, if you look at both of them, it's almost obvious. The way they interact with each other is even the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, George Lucas did this, and R2-D2 never spoke a word. That's true. Well, he made sounds. Yes. But was the implication that C-3PO could understand the sounds? I would assume so. He understands three million forms of communication. I'm so glad you're here because although we both did actually see the movie Star Wars, I haven't seen it lately. And my memory isn't that strong for things that have happened yesterday, let alone years ago. Well, I I, ha- I have a child who is very obsessed with the whole Star Wars universe. Oh, oh that's wonderful. for us. Yeah. Tell her thank you. I will. Now, um, I do want to say one other thing about the princess. And I think I'm right. So correct me if I'm not. The woman in the Hidden Fortress for sure was a fighter, but wasn't also Princess Leia, kind of a a rough and tumble princess. She was part of the rebel movement. There you go. I thought I had that correct. But like I said, memory. And And she fought their way out of the uh, out of the prison, in fact. Awesome. And, And both women were extremely outspoken. Even Princess Yuki, when she was mute, was outspoken. I know. Now, that's the princess in the Hidden Fortress. Yes. And there was a whole section where they wouldn't be able to recognize her face, but they would be able to recognize her voice. voice. So she had to uh, stay mute. That's true. But she did speak a lot with her presence. Yes, she did. You know what fascinated me? Go ahead, Sensei, because I'm going to change the subject. Go ahead. Even in the way that they they trimmed her eyebrows to give her that fierceness, it was kind Mm -hmm. of amazing. That's a good point. And you see it in anime the same way. The really sharp eyebrow. That's right. At, a, at an angle. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is I was fascinated with how um, Kurosawa got so many people in a picture without CGI. When there was a, a fight in uh, when the, the, the two peasants found each other again. And there were <laughs> so many people going through. How did he... It was almost like uh, when Cecil B. DeMille was filming during the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Thousands and thousands of people in the screen. You know, I thought of that when I was watching it also. Did you? I said to myself, where did he get all these people? Because the scene was panoramic. And I mean, I can't even guess the number, but definitely thousands of people. And all dressed the same and, uh, you know, as though they had been hurt. Or or partially uh, taken up. Well, they were prisoners. Prisoners, right. Yeah, everybody in that scene was a prisoner. So what do we want to say when we wrap this thing up? You know what? Can we mention a couple things about the comedy? The two peasants were funny. 
always blaming each other for everything that went wrong. They reminded me of the odd couple. Yes. And they were tricked by the Tashiro Mufuni character. They were told that they would get 200 pieces of gold. And at the end, they had to learn to share one piece of gold. Oh, my gosh. that That is yeah. funny. I'd forgotten about that. You're right. Which yeah. I don't know how they're ever going to do. Throughout the entire throughout the entire movie, these guys who went to that war entirely for the purpose of making money. Yeah, they did. Literally every single scheme they came up with, every single one they had, <laughs> right. every time fell through. Every yeah. single time. That is so true. <laughs> Absolutely right. But on that note, didn't you um, get a little sad when they separated from each other? And under the fact that they both became prisoners again, weren't you happy when they met? <laughs> Sadly, you are correct. I really was happy when they got back together. Yes. You know, and tell me again how this compares to Star Wars. I expected a few more um, battle scenes. There was lots of trickery. There was lots of strategy. It was really cool, but I didn't see but one or two nice battle scenes. But I think there's more than that in Star Wars. Am I correct about that? Not not a lot more. I mean, okay. there's chases. There oh. are chases, but there's but there isn't a lot of battles. I mean, you have a you have one lightsaber duel at the beginning. Well, actually, it opens with a, with them taking over a ship. That's pretty bloody eye action. But you know, that's American modern movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, but from there, I mean, there was uh, there there were. Two, I think one lightsaber duel on the whole thing in the first one, and maybe two in the second one. I, I, it's is the lightsaber and, and duel when Obi Wan got killed. Yes, well, he okay. didn't get killed. He, oh. um, I don't expect anybody to know that. You have to be a true Star Wars nerd to know that throughout all the canon of of Star Wars, that the very highest echelons of the Jedi would make themselves one with the Force before they died. And disappear. But you wouldn't know that watching that movie. (laughs) No. So can we stay on that a minute? And you explain it to me a little bit more. Can I compare it to like what wizard people do? It's kind of a magic thing. I I don't really know what wizard people do. (laughs) Well, well, when they become one with the force. Okay, let me rephrase the question. When they become one with the force, do they have an actual body or do they just have an energy presence? They just have an energy presence. Oh, and okay. they, they show them in the movies as just almost like semi-opaque beings. Oh, yes. and but you can still hear their voice and stuff. Yes. Oh. Yeah, and um, yeah, if you recall, then in Return of the Jedi, when Yoda dies, he does the same thing. He doesn't die. He just disappears. Got it. Very cool. I'm so glad I learned that. Is it information you're ever really going to need, though? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not something you're ever going to need, and it'll slip out, but still it's fun. Okay, so where are we? First off, we've said numerous times we 100% recommend this movie. Second off, it's available all over the place. You you can't not find it. It's streaming. It's available on DVD. It's yeah. Yeah, we did DVD. What did you do? Oh, I just streamed it. I've become a big streamer, especially since the surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> so we need you to let us know how you like this movie and whether our review was on target with your thoughts. Now, you can let us know all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. I'm going to put a little plug in here that I am in the midst of putting old episodes up on YouTube. 
They are under Wildcat Dojo as well. And then you click podcasts or videos. They're in both categories. And there's a little stream of slides that you can watch while you listen to the podcasts. Someday, eventually, I guess I'll get them all up, but I have over 220 episodes. So it's not going to happen overnight, guys. And the um, slideshow is a riot. It's just everything you can think of is in this slideshow. So this is an open invitation, Sensei Bear. If you have a cool karate picture or any other kind of picture you think that would be fun to put on my slideshow, will you send it to me, please? Uh, Yes, I will look through it, Sensei. Thanks. And we're not on Wildcat Dojo at Instagram. We are at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. All the words. And the reason we're not is because a a karate school in Germany has Wildcat Dojo. They stole it from me. Those rascals. (laughs) I think they were there first, but it's okay. (laughs) Don't say that. Okay. (laughs) Finally, you can send us an email at dojoconversations at AOL. Now, before I thank you for being here, Sensei Bear, I do have one more completely blatant beg for funding. We have a, a support link about three quarters of the way down the show notes. So if you read through the show notes, you'll see the link. And if you want to send a few bucks our way just to help me pay for things, I would really appreciate it. But if you can't, believe me, I completely understand. I resemble that remark. So on that note, I am going to say, I love this avenue of recording, Sensei Bear. Thank you for doing it with us. Thank you for having me again, Sensei. So we're going to do another movie. We'll decide after, okay? Okay. Sounds good to me. All right, Sensei Jackie, I think that's it for today. You want to say goodbye for us? I do. Thank you, Sensei Bear. And I certainly hope to see everybody else next week on the podcast. And on that note, I'm going to sign us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.